fun. People like seeing you. Which I'm recording saying that people like seeing you. The next piece of model. Next piece of model. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Good afternoon. I'm slightly tardy, so I'm sincerely apologize. For that, I'm here at the office. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to a new Tech Tuesday, this beautiful November afternoon. Hello, C. Perez, R35. And for those of you on YouTube, thank you for joining me. This is the weekly show that we do every Tuesday afternoon, post-noon, 3 p.m. Eastern, to address all kind of things, project tech and more. Hey, Duran is waving to me, and he's right here, and he's logging on waving to me, which is interesting. Hello, Vasan. Hello, Guero. Greetings. Asker from Denmark, thank you so much. Cry girl shouting, Stephen. I don't know what that means, but uh, welcome nonetheless. Oh, what's, what's going on with you, Olaf? Thank you so much for the kind words, thank you for joining us. Hello, Ancheta95, and um, Two Life, good seeing you as well. You know what I need help with? I do need my wig. I do need my wig because I want to, I have some, some judgment stuff to do. Aaron, could you, do you know where it is in my office? Grab it for me, because I'm going to have some, some, some things to talk about today. Fox Design, thank you so much. Fox, you are awesome. Thank you so much for contributing to this wonderful project behind me. I really appreciate all your support for us Wagoneers and the Wagon community. Thank you so much. Hello, DC2. What's up, Ghost520? Good seeing you. You want to see a run? You will in a few moments. Right now, Duran is going through the wiring to make sure everything is proper. Um, we did some changes to the cooling system. I need to get one more dash 16AN to complete that. Um, I could start up now, but without water inside. That won't be very good. But um, yes, I am tardy, 211. He says I'm tardy. <laughs> hello, Ryan. Good seeing you. Good afternoon. 240. Greetings, Raul. Hello. Constructive ruckus. Always good to see you. MR2 updates. Duran, they're asking for MR2 updates. Oh, yes. We have some updates, all right. It's going to be greenlit. Um, I think Duran is going to do some really crazy stuff this week to relieve her of her original engine, which is pretty nice. Hello, Marvin. Good seeing you. Good afternoon. Hello, everyone. Oh, so, guys. Oh, Aaron, thank you so much. So, Aaron <laughs> brought me something. Do I have my thing off? Let me take this off right here. So, hello, 240. I have a do not judge me moment. Okay? <laughs> So, this is what I wear when I say do not judge me. And what do I mean by do not judge me? So, I keep hearing through the woodwork, look at Marvin's like rubbing his chin, like what's going on here. I keep hearing through the woodwork that I am not supposed to call this wonderful project of ours a waggle van, which is silly. I understand that a waggle van, some people say existed only up to the year uh, 1990, some say to 89, some say that uh, it shouldn't have a back headrest. Some people say it's just a trim that existed all the way to 91. You know what, guys? I don't care. People want to see that Pirate Auto Group 300Z. I don't care if it's, if I call it a wagon van, a Skyline. I don't care if I call it a BC Motor wagon van Type R. It's my car. I can call it whatever I desire to. I don't know why people get so upset. So do not judge me. This is my judgment. Do not. Aaron's laughing. Okay. Back to my regular Pure hat. Okay. Don't let me whip this out again. Okay, so that being said, wow, people are laughing over here. <laughs> uh, hello, John. Good seeing you. Thank you for joining us this afternoon. Um, it's not that serious, guys. Honestly, wagon, wagon van is not really that serious. Aaron says he's just. Okay, Aaron's judging me. Aaron? Yes. Not you, Aaron. There's another Aaron that's judging me here. Look, Aaron, I know where you live. I really don't know where you live. <laughs> but I think I know where you live. Yes, facts, absolutely. Okay, enough of that. That was enough fun for one day. Okay, so guys, um, thank you so much for joining this afternoon. Yes, thank you, EH. So EHH2D says, it's my bill, do what the heck I want. Now, if people, certain people are upset that I'm calling this car a waggle van, they're going to be really pissed off about what I'm going to do to that MR2. They're going to be pissed off. Off. We're about to do some crazy. This MR2 is going to be so bananas, but you won't be able to tell. You look at it like, ah, you know, I got a lot of partners really excited. Um, so, DJ Raphael, yeah, you will very soon. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, they said they want to hear it. I don't want to start this up with no coolant in it. That's not a very good idea. That's not a good idea. We drain the coolant. There's no coolant whatsoever because we're trying to change the bottom line. 
So the top line of the radiator is in place, but the bottom line is still that I need to get another, I think I need a 90 um, dash 16 fitting to make it fit properly, to make that happen, you know? The real area, let's see. Uh, someone said, yeah, the same, but poor quality. I have a bad connection. They still have a bad connection. So what I probably should do is, uh, let me see if I can get off of Wi-Fi without cutting everyone off. Let, let's see what happens here. Uh, Wi-Fi. Let me disconnect that. Okay. So guys, what I did is I got off Wi-Fi. Hopefully, I didn't mess things up here. Um, hello, Street Racer Jones. Good seeing you. Good afternoon. How's the connection now? Hopefully, it's much better for you guys because I evacuated from Wi-Fi. Is it still bad? It's frozen. It's frozen completely. Oh, my. That's not good. Can I use the SEMA? Is it still frozen? Are you connected to my Wi-Fi? No. Oh, maybe. Guys, let me know if it's proper, if it's messed up. It looks like I'm losing people, so it's possibly that it's messed up. Hello, Sin. Let me know if it's paused, guys, or if you still say, hi, the stream is really laggy. Oh, my. Thank you so much, PV Forever, for the kind words. It's still yeah, it's paused. paused? Okay, let me, let me go up and come back. So about you guys on YouTube and also on the podcast, I'm going to try and go back on live and see if we can get a better connection here. Okay, everyone, I'm back. Hopefully this is much better. I do not know. Please forgive me for our very poor streaming services. I don't know. I, we, do have, we have a very good connection here. It's much better. Yeah. Okay, sorry about that, guys. I'm so sorry about uh, the connection earlier, but we're now back. You are in EH3, welcome back. Thank you so much, good seeing you. Hello again. Oh, this is really kind of confusing. No, no, don't take it, it's not confusing. I keep looking at myself, now I feel really bad. Take it, take it, take it, take it, take it, take it. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Hello everyone, good seeing you again. I'm sorry about the connection earlier. Hello, Negron, which is pretty cool, interesting name. Um, hello, David, H2B. No, I'm not British. I'm actually from Nigeria, I'm from West Africa. Um, Grew up in West Africa, went to primary school there, secondary school, but no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not from the UK. Um, PBW, cheers as well, good seeing you, thank you for coming back. Hello, only me, Tay. Update on the wagon, great, let's talk about updates on the wagon. So, came back from SEMA, there are things that I just didn't like that I need to move around. For example, the catch can was near the exhaust system, I didn't like that at all, so I'm moving into the front, we should have that installed later on today. My cooling system, I didn't like how my lines were routed, so we're redoing the entire routing of the lines for the cooling system as well. Um, I didn't connect anything in terms of my um, AEM flex fuel system, which is now connected and good to go. Um, everything is proper for it now. It's ready to have some fun. Um, let's see. My friend currently, this guy says, my friend currently built a KMR, KMR2 with MR2. That's really interesting. So NYC Alive, I assume that he did something in terms of an adapter plate. That's pretty clever, you know? Do I have to run a viscous coupler on the drive line? Jim, no, I do not. So he's asking about the wagon van. Do I have to run a viscous coupler? If I use the original wagon rear end, yes. But in this case, I use a lot of CRV parts. I use a CRV transfer case, a modified CRV uh, drive shaft, and the rear CRV differential, which that entire assembly, let's see, I may have a sample here. Hang tight. Hang tight. This is, ah, it's pretty heavy. This is what I'm running in the back. This is an example of a CRV rear diff. And in the front part of this case right here, where I'm putting my thumb, has a bunch of clutches. And what that clutch assembly does, those multiple clutches do, is that when pressure is sent through the assembly, the clutches grab and allow the rear to engage. So it doesn't act like a real-time continuous cog setup. It, as you use the clutches to slip to allow for better gas mileage for a bit of a tool drive assembly in terms of efficiency. And then when these engage, the clutches in here engage, it allows for the opportunity to have the rear's cog. And it's very nice. So, so far, our friends from Automotive KND supplied this very nice kit. It's like a dual pump kit that allows you to increase the pressure to the clutches, so that's good. We're going to experiment with some clutches coming to us from them as well that has the capability of holding more horsepower. And if that doesn't work after some time, if we overpower that, 
will most likely do a direct cog and use some kind of business coupler from a very um, robust assembly, which should be pretty cool. So I'm sorry my hands are a bit dirty. Forgive me, please. Hello, Richard. Said, tell Nathan I said hi as well. Good seeing you guys, you know? Slim is asking what my thoughts on a B18C. I think that's really good. The B18C is really known as the small block Chevy of the Honda world. It's something that has a very robust aftermarket support, um, has decent flow in the heads, has plenty of opportunity, as you can see what people are running nowadays. Turbocharged applications, people running sevens, people run, you know, close to nines with the, pretty much nines with the uh, NA setup. So it's, it's a very formidable engine. But in terms of horsepower per dollar, I think the K still reigns supreme compared to those, you know. So this color is a blue. As a matter of fact, for those of you who are Beamer heads, this is a marina blue from the BMW, courtesy of our friends from BASF. Ah, oh, yeah, Nathan Mahan, tell him I said hi, by all means, you know. Aloha! I would love to visit Hawaii. My wife is bothering me. We should really make that happen, you know. Um, am I confirmed going to the Honda YouTube challenge? No, not at this time. Not at this time, sir. Hello, SB. Good seeing you. Hello, everyone. Um, yes, I will. So, Kappa, that's my goal. I'll do a live feed on that and show you guys what I do. No problem. So, full-time... No, it's not full-wheel drive all, all the time. So, it's set up like a, you would see with a... Um, a standard on-demand four-wheel drive. So it's typically an all-the-time two-wheel drive and on-demand when the front slips and when required, the clutches in the back lock up and it creates an all-wheel drive scenario, you know? Um, Shivan is asking, is the engine a K24Z7? This is actually a K24Z7 head on a K24Z3 bottom end from the TSX. So a very similar construction, has the integrated exhaust port, the intake port flows better than any K-series out there. Yes, it's absolutely fantastic. If you take the intake gasket out of this engine and overlay it on an older K20, K24, you see that the ports on these are massive. And, you know, the head holds the highest potential for power. The setback on this engine is the integrated manifold, which is great for emissions to light off a catalytic converter, but it is not the best for NA power. But for turbocharging, it makes things very easy. So when you combine it, with a manifold from, let's say, PRL, you have a match made in heaven when it comes to turbocharging, which is pretty nice. And speaking of turbocharging, this weekend, on Sunday, our friends at CSF are having this awesome show. Please, between the hours of 11 a.m. and also 3 p.m. in Rancho Cucamonga, go and check it out. They have a huge array of SEMA 2018 projects that you may not have seen. You now have the opportunity to see in Southern California. There's food, drinks, beer. Please come out. It's going to be a blast, you know? So 124 Underground is asking, am I bringing the Waggle van to fastest car? That is the reason why this car exists. So for those of you who may have seen the write-up on um, Speed Hunters, this car primarily exists as the revenge car for that Odyssey right over there. The Odyssey that I'm looking at, you can't see it, but the Odyssey over there, 1,029 horsepower, potential to make more. We've actually made more. Very heavy car, which is cool, so it's very planted. Makes a ton of power with the V6, which is awesome. Huge turbocharger from Precision but it has no traction. Front wheel drive, it just spins the tires in first gear. For those of you who watched the Fastest Car Season 1, Episode 1, you'll notice that the entire time there are two black lines on the floor. The only time there are demarcations in the black lines of the tires is when I shift it. So while other people are hooking and going, some of them running slick, some of them, you know, all of them all rear wheel drive, we just spun. And that was really sad. We made more power than anyone else there. If it was like a high speed run, it would have been a totally different story. But from a dig on that kind of asphalt, it wasn't a great opportunity. So, what could I do to prevent that from happening again? Build something that has similar horsepower potential, not as much torque, but a potential to make similar horsepower, much lighter, and all-wheel drive. So that's what we have here. This is my revenge car. Now you can see it, with God's grace, as they have commissioned me for season three. So in season three, they want this car and the Viper that's right here. That one looks pretty interesting, you know? So, let's see here. Yeah, just like an Audi Haldex. Absolutely, PB. Absolutely, you know. Z. Rinderson is asking, air to air versus watch the air in a cooler. So that's a great question. In, in this facility, I have a variety. I have air to air, like what you see here. That's a very well-designed uh, intercooler courtesy of PRL, which has dividers to make sure that the air is distributed properly across the gradient of the intercooler. It's much more simplistic to design, very straightforward. Um, very easy to integrate, not a bad problem at all. Now, here's where the challenge comes. What if you have a mid-engine? What if you have a rear engine? It may be a little more difficult to do that. So liquid to air is an opportunity where you can have very good density of air because you're using liquid 
water as a main medium, maybe a water interface with another, maybe some ethylene glycol or some other additive to inhibit corrosion or freezing. Liquid airs can be extremely efficient. Um, I have, I push myself, for example, to keep air to airs within 20 degrees of ambient. With liquid to airs on the red center seat portion, you may see on my, you can't see it here, but if you look at my feed, you see that. Um, let me see if I can move this around so you can see that. So right there, that red Porsche you see right there, there's the black one next to it. That uses a liquid to air intercooler. And the liquid to air is fantastic because I am never above ambient, no matter how much power I push. I can push close to 600 because the efficiency of the liquid to air, I see temperatures that are similar to ambient. Now, the only challenge with liquid to air is complexity. You have the liquid to air interface with the heat exchanger. You have another heat exchanger in the front to allow for heat exchange of the rejected heat with the atmosphere. You have pumps. You have lines. It's a lot more. And God forbid you have a poor assembly, you risk the challenge of having a fracture and getting water into your engine. So we don't think about bad things, but it's something that could happen. So nonetheless, liquid air, extremely efficient, fantastic, allows for compact spaces, allows for mid-engine, rear engine. You can put in a front engine and get some really good efficiencies. If you're drag racing, you can literally be a below ambient by having a container that feeds the liquid air in the cooler heat exchanger and put ice in it. So that being said, you can be below atmospheric temperatures, which is great, right? Dense air, more power, more reliable power, which is fantastic, but it's more complex. Simplicity, complex, more efficient, not as efficient. I hope that helps. Boosted GD3 for me asks, what's the highest compression ratios can be achieved with 93 octane and tuning reliability? Depends if you're NA, or it also depends if you're turbocharged. But I can tell you one good rule of thumb. Dynamic compression is everything. You can have a static compression as high as 13 to 1 on 93 octane, but if your camshaft is very small to where your dynamic is very high, you would detonate. I've been able to get away with 12 to 1, 12 and a half to 1, 13 to 1 on the street on 91 octane fuel here in California using very large camshafts where I bleed off some of the challenges. So that being said, you can be able to have control over low octane fuel, being able to do extremely well with high static compression, having the efficiency that is there and can give you an opportunity to be very fast, but you have to combine it with a proper camshaft to reduce the dynamic and have a good time. And this is with standard port injection. Now, when you get into direct injection, wow, you can go to higher, much higher static compressions, much higher dynamic compressions, and even much leaner air fuel ratios. So, but based on what we do, and based on what you're saying, I assume that you're talking about port injection and not direct, you know? Ren is asking, how excited about the MR2 am I? I'm extremely excited. You know what's weird? I'm excited because you guys are excited. I put that up as in, what am I getting myself into? I have never built a Toyota myself in-house. I've worked with TRD. I've worked with Toyota. I've tuned some of their cars here. That crazy Corolla that looks like a stock Corolla that you can lift it up. And underneath, it, underneath is like this crazy dragster setup. It was tuned here, which is great. Um, long story. Oh, did I lose sound? Um, let me know if, if you guys can hear me, guys. Oh, maybe it's just you. Okay, so um, that being said, I was really excited about the fact that you guys were very, very happy about the MR2 project. Now, the team and I were discussing today is going to be a project that's going to shock a lot of people. So look for it. I may just start documenting this build and show you guys what I'm doing. But I'm going to relieve her with the team. Drawn's here. We're going to relieve her of the engine, of her engine, this week. And she's going to travel away for a moment and then come back to us. Okay. What's up with the Mercedes? Mercedes is right there, it's going. So we're starting already with Mercedes. I already have an engine. I have two engine options, which I wanna make a surprise, but both of them are really exciting. One is a partnership engine, the other is a legacy engine, which is pretty exciting. So that being said, um, it's something that is gonna be a very full race application, but will look very sleeper as well. I, I see that the appeal was for a livery, but I may stay with something that's really clean, you know, similar to the wagon, just really, really clean setup with lots of cool power. So that's what we plan on doing, you know? So Hondra from Frame Garage is asking, can we do a workaround for us that didn't make it to SEMA? Yes. So after our session this afternoon, um, I think uh, Chris from AEM is coming. Let's do a workaround when he comes. I'll be more than happy to do a workaround with him. So you may have to tune back in after the Tech Tuesday. We'll do a workaround with the, with the wagon and see what you missed out in SEMA, you know? Could I do some video at your first track test with the wagon? Yes, Icebox, you could definitely do that. I'll make it aware, and then you can come out, and so be it. But we're going to have a lot of fun with her. My goal is to test and break as many components as possible to improve on it with this wagon. So 
she hears me, you know, cars have souls, she's not going to be very happy what we're going to do with her. We're going to be out there quite a bit, you know. Thank you so much, David. Thank you very much for the kind words, you know. Absolutely, similar to a Haldex, you're correct, you know. So what sleep company do I recommend for K20 Boost? Same thing I use on this case series. It would be uh, Golden Eagle. That's what I recommend. Any more work on the EcoBoost Mustang? No, no work on the EcoBoost Mustang. That market wasn't very robust for us. Um, we did some stuff with Ford. Maybe we'll do some stuff again, but our focus primarily has been on a lot of Hyundai, a lot of Porsche, and Honda as well. Hello, Engels. Good seeing you. Thank you so much for joining us all the way from the Dominican. Appreciate that, you know? Slim says, I want to drive my build once I'm done to visit. I will work in that. I know you're a busy man. I do not know what he's saying. <laughs> that's kind of... I want to drive my build once I'm done to visit. Okay, that's fine. You can drive your visit to visit. No problem. I don't know how far away you are, but that'd be great. When will we see you at a drag race event? Import face-off? You'll see me next year. So, Duran is very evil. He's sitting right here and he's smiling. He's been bothering me quite a bit to bring my inside back out, which I don't know if a lot of people know about my inside, but you will see it's the same kind of engine that I built as a proof of concept. It's in a chassis that's an old school 2006 hybrid insight, and I'm going to bring it back out. Plus, above and beyond that, she'll be out as well. So, yes, next year, 2019, is the year of racing for me. You'll see quite a bit. Do I have parts for H22As, Donovan says? Yes, I do. Camshafts, valve train, pistons, rods, sleeving services, um, aftermarket crankshafts, uh, lubricants, oils, you know, break-in and regular fill, um, drivetrain components as well. We have a, quite a slew of components for the H22A. Let us know what you need. Head gaskets as well. And we can make it happen. You can either DM me here, or better yet, write to us at sales at bcmodel.com, and the team and I would be more than happy to help you. Arnie Sokal says, BC, what are things you look at in a car to purchase for the shop? Aftermarket support, handling, or do you care because you make whatever you need? And I think the latter is the case. Um, Duran, do you, do you see any rhyme or reason to the cars I, I choose? Really? He says no. He doesn't <laughs> see any rhyme or reason. So um, I'm the kind of guy, I don't need to have aftermarket support to be able to create something. Um, that's one of the reasons why I feel the OEMs love us as well, because we are not afraid of the unknown and we can take things that are absolutely non-existent and create something. So when it comes to engines, I do have a soft spot for heads that flow very well. And Duran can attest to that as well, because the head is the potential for power for everything NA and boosted. So the engine-wise, I really look at the heads. Very, very important to me. In terms of chassis, of course, if there's potential, I like to pursue it. Um, you wouldn't see me picking up an Edsel or anything like that. You wouldn't see me picking up a Lada or a Skoda. It's just I would look at cars that have some potential. I'll probably even build a four-door Accord before I build a Skoda. The MR2 one, very interesting because I always liked – that was my first car that I really loved. Guys, please don't kill me. But before I came to the U.S., that was a car that I fell in love with. That's what I wanted, and I couldn't afford it. So I ended up – I wouldn't say settling, but I ended up going for a CRX, which is the closest thing to a two-door Econo box that was fun. Easy says, do I have any H22 Type S cams laying around? Not factory cams. We do have some aftermarket billets, but not factory. Do you have any factory H22 cams laying around, Toronto? Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, send me a DM. Type S? No. Okay. Non-Type S. Not Type S. So we don't have any of those, you know. What's the next JDM show, bro? I would say the closest thing to a JDM show will be this Sunday at CSF in Rancho Cucamonga. And you hear the hissing out there, so we have a lot of traffic here with trucks. So this Sunday from, a, from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. in Rancho Cucamonga at the CSF headquarters, we will have a cool show showcasing a lot of SEMA builds that came out in 2018. I'd love to get her there if I could. Depends on how much we achieve this week. I'm just trying to catch up. Um, but by all means, yes, that'd be great. Am I taking the wagon to Eibach next year? Yes, I would love to. This wagon is my goal to take it to Eibach. It's my goal also to take it to the JCCS show and Radwood. That's coming up fairly soon as well, you know? I know, my, your money was on the van the whole time, only yes. And if it came to a dining competition, you would have won. But when it comes to traction, it wasn't my favor. One thing about that show, which was kind of sad to me, is that we were instructed to only run street tires. Two of the competitors did not run regular street tires. They had slicks. And guess what? Something a lot of people don't know. The two other domestic cars were towed to the tarmac, while the Odyssey and the Exotic, great guys from Always Evolving, we both drove to the tarmac. Not get towed. So, but who cares? Um, any thoughts on Formula 7 at SEMA? I didn't pay much attention to that. Please forgive me. 
I will drive the Audi BC EH3, I would love to, but I don't have support for Honda for a model that's no longer current. <laughs> so how about this? I all-wheel drive this, so she's good to go. You know, you're right. Only Matei says spinning ain't winning. That is so true, sir. Absolutely. No? Nick Riley is asking, is that setup better than running a K24A8 from Element with a K20 head? Well, for what I'm doing in terms of turbocharging, yes. The runners on this are extremely short and allows for impeccable school, which is something that I always find very appealing. We did a lot of development on this engine as far back as 2011 for the 9th Gen Civic, and it showed that with that advantage of having a short runner, where you have an integrated head and incorporating a manifold with T3 or T4 size turbo, you can get a very nice spool compared to a longer manifold. Now, if you're doing an NA setup, it wouldn't give you the best opportunity for, I would say, a nice header to have best scavenging for NA applications. But for turbocharging, it's very straightforward and very efficient. So Packer, I just mentioned that a moment ago. He's asking, have you made a decision if you're going to compete in the Honda YouTube Challenge? No, I, I just don't have the time to be able to do that. Hello, boss lady. Good seeing you. Hope things are out there and hope you're staying safe. AJ Thompson says, can you have a stroker long rod engine while remaining reliable like a 3.62J? Would raw ratio diminish engine longevity with that much uh, 14 millimeter stroke increase? So it depends. The one thing that a lot of builders tend to shy away from when it comes to rod stroke ratio is the weight of the piston. Above and beyond rod stroke ratio and piston speed, piston weight plays a good role. So to answer your question, you can have a very reliable 3.62J with an increased stroke from 7 to 14 millimeters and not have a challenge with the longest rod possible if you move the pin up slightly, decrease the size of the pin itself so it can allow you to get a little bit more into the pin, have a button that allows you to run a oil ring through it, and then above and beyond that, try to lighten the piston as much as possible in areas that do not compromise the integrity of the piston. And then you can get away with some good reliability. So I hope that helps. Thank you so much, CB7, for the kind words, you know. Izzy's asking, for the wagon that we just built last week, do we have any test passes? I wish I was that gifted. <laughs> no. As I mentioned earlier, um, we're still trying to tidy things up. I didn't like the location of the catch can. It was too close to an exhaust source, which is not good. It came out with fumes of oil. Oil got a bit. If I have a failure and oil spews into that, it can go into exhaust and cause a bit of a challenge in terms of safety. So I'm moving that far forward. I didn't like the routing of my cooling system, so I run CSF radiators, but I didn't like how the routing was. It wasn't very efficient, so we're doing that as well. There's some small things, like Duran is here to help me as well with the headlights and stuff. There's small things. I, I want things to be very proper, so I haven't. And believe it or not, we've been close to the public for many, many months. I'm still trying to catch up with work. Um, a priority for me right now is not to go racing. I have to catch up with my customers and make, make sure they're okay. So, Izzy, I don't have any test passes yet, but if I did, Trust me, you'll be part of it. I will be in the car with you doing live feeds to make sure that's good, you know? Honda Pro Parts got his cam. Thank you so much. That level X is vicious. That is the same cam that I ran tens with in my D-Series, NA. So that's a very good one. I'm glad you received it, sir. DJ is asking, can we start the wagon? Um, I just mentioned I'm doing the cooling. There's no coolant in there. I could start it for a brief few seconds, but there is no coolant in this thing at all. That's a really bad, bad idea. If you can give me a few hours, I'll put the lower holes in. I have to go buy a 90-degree dash 16 line, make a line, fill up a coolant again, and then should be able to start it up with that without qualm. You know? What do I think about a GSR head ported to 295 CFM? That's a really good port on a stock GSR block with light bolt-ons. So 295 CFM, and I'm assuming you're anywhere from 23 to 25 inches of depression. That's a really good flow for a B-series. I think that's absolutely smashing. But to take full advantage of such flow, you need a proper camshaft, and you may want some compression. It'll work, but you're not using that engine very efficiently. You need some heat to get the power out of that thing. And when I say heat, as you can imagine, as I mentioned many times in previous Tech Tuesdays, our engines, our internal combustion engines, are just glorified energy converters. You're taking the chemical energy from oxygen in the air, which is about 21%, Combining that with the caloric content of the fuel, igniting that, when we ignite that, the heat of combustion does work on the piston. And the piston is now coming to the crankshaft, which turns the up and down movement, which is now the heat energy, to mechanical rotational energy, which is nice. So when we create more power, we're just really generating more heat controllably in the combustion chamber. So you kind of want to take full advantage of the heat that you can get from improved compression to be able to make that engine more efficient. It'll do well, don't get me wrong, 
for more compression and a bigger camshaft would definitely make that thing scream. Hello, EP3. Good seeing you. Thank you for joining us. You know, what do I see myself doing as far as fan events in 2019? I would like to do um, some meets here at BC Moto, which is pretty nice. Um, I'd love to be able to do more racing all across the country with some focus on the West Coast with both drag and road racing. That's what I foresee, you know? Dipping deep, too much or too little? I don't know what you're referring to, but please do, you know? Oh, thank you so much, Lulu, for the kind words. I appreciate the kind words indeed, you know? With all the talk about intercoolers, what about running both types? Asgar, when you do run a liquid to air, you're pretty much running almost both types. So if you're asking about running an air to air in addition to liquid to air, that's a lot of complexity that's not quite required. But if this gives you any consolation, a liquid to air is pretty much a glorified air to air. But instead of air being the medium for heat exchange immediately, it's surrounded by a medium of liquid that has to be taken somewhere else for heat exchange. So the concepts are very similar. Many of the fin designs are very similar. Um, you can have more fin density within uh, liquid to air. That's why it's a lot more compact. But um, in my opinion, having an air to air combined with liquid air adds significant amount of complexity. Hello, Leo. Good seeing you. Hello, C. Perez. Thank you so much. Leo, thanks for the kind words. I love the wagon as well. Izzy's asking, have I done any test passes in the wagon again? So, answer is no, I have not. We just came back from SEMA and I'm trying to catch up at work. No, Izzy, so I, I don't have any test passes yet. And when I do, you'll be privy to it because I will do so much live, you'll probably be tired of watching me. Greetings, Luis from Brazil. Good seeing you. Boost the GD for me. Thank you so much. Northern Ireland is in the house. Thank you for joining us, Mr. Stuber. Thank you so much. Appreciate that. Any specific duration or lift? It depends. So, 2110 SR performance asking any specific duration left. What I tend to do, I allow the head to dictate what camshaft profile I use. Meaning, if you get a head, factory form, ported form, you want to put it on flow bench and see what it does. And the reason why that's so important is it doesn't make sense in you, let's say, designing a camshaft that goes up to 500 lift if the head falls on its face after 400. So after 400 inches, you know, 400, uh, uh, 0.400 inches of lift if your head flows and starts tapering off very nicely why put a bigger cam you're just putting more stress on the valve train but what if you have a head that flows extremely well continues to flow extremely well past 600 then you want to design a cam to that now it's above and beyond that looking at a head flow is very akin to looking at something in a dyno curve so if you look at area under curve and you notice that your low lift numbers are very robust when you first pull that valve off the seat and you just have let's say at 150 or 100 inches of lift uh, 0.100 inches of lift, or 0.4, um, 0.15 inches of lift, you see this great huge amount of air going in. I tend to put a lot of duration there to take full advantage of that low lift number, or that low lift region. So duration in that area will be much nicer, and the opposite could occur. If it flows much nicely at the higher lifts, 0 0.200, 0 0.250, 0 0.3, I'll put more duration there. The head is the key to everything, and that's why I start. So. There's no one size for all in terms of lift and duration for all heads. The head dictates what's ideal for each application. There's a wig in the near here. I'm sorry? A wig. Oh, part of my wig. Oh, look at that. Thank you. Duran just told me this piece of my wig. This is my little... It's the, the guy from... Uh, the wig I have. Turbo fans. Turbo fans? Oh, he said that? Yeah. Oh, thank you so much. So much. I haven't even got there. There's so many messages. Thank you <laughs> so much. <laughs> Oh my god. 124 on the ground says, I have a 2016 fit with a L15B1. Good engine. I want to boost it, but I don't know how well it can take boost. Oh, it does. What are my thoughts on it? Because you make crazy power with the CRZ. Not only do I make crazy power with the CRZ, we did very well with um, the newest generation fit as well. So we built two for SEMA in 2014. We did with that engine. One was a, more of a track car that Haley put together. It was more of like a build that was more a spec. Very nice. Little throwback to Mugen and they're old school racing. And then we did a 400 horsepower, 85 base one, fully built. It can take well. The limitations for the L15B1 from the, from the 2016 is the injection, the direct injection. What I did on mine, which I wouldn't advise, because it's a lot of work, I limited the direct injection and went poor. But it's a lot of work, very cost prohibitive. But you can, with today's technology and flashing, if you don't want to go crazy with power, you can definitely have a lot of fun boosting it. My recommendation, sleep in the block because the Earth Dreams blocks are very thin. And that being said, you can easily fracture it, especially if you want to go north of 250, 270 to the wheels. You definitely want to get some valve train, and we have that as well, with camshafts as well. And forged pistons and rods, which we have access. So you can see on the Beast Motor store, we have quite a bit of that. 
you can definitely do that. Thank you so much, Luis, for letting us know. You can hear me completely. EVMR2, guys, that would be so awesome, but we've decided on something that's a little more ICE for now. You know? Not filling the libraries I had lined up. I do not know what that means, sir. My only mate, please give me some more insight. Um, starting with the AMG 5.0, what piston would I recommend? Definitely our friends from Tron. So Tron Pistons, they have over 30 years of experience combined in piston design. Is what I use in all my projects, everything from the domestics all the way to the uh, German, and that's what I have in here as well. So please, by all means, hit up the guys from Trom. They're here on Instagram, trompistons.com, you know. Okay, let's see. Do I do Porsche 2.7 up for uh, 944 turbo tuning? I'm stop judging. Thank you so much, Aaron. Not yet. I haven't had the opportunity to do that yet. Not quite. But I don't shy away. As soon as I catch up, I'll be more than open to invite other projects of that caliber. Hello, Wanderer. Good seeing you. Hello, Project Aside. Thank you so much. Um, do I plan on bringing the Wagon Van to Hoonigan for? Absolutely. I do have to. Team Inside yourself. How long ago did you write that? Long time ago? Oh my God, I'm so behind. There's so much going on. Yes, I plan on bringing that. Let's see. I'm oh my God, look at all this question. I'd never get to all these. Oh my goodness. Okay, let's, let's start fresh. So guys, if I missed your question, please ask me again. Um, can you do a direct injection conversion to a port injection engine, 2HZ for instance? Would I have to drill the head for the injectors? AJ, yes, it's actually quite involved. Um, there are two ways of doing it. You can do it through the block or through the head. The head is much easier but can be quite invasive, and the seal has to be absolutely fantastic. So if I would do it, I would do that. And there are many advantages to direct injection. The piston has to change because you have to take advantage of the plume that forms inside the combustion chamber to get a stratification that allows you to get away with the impeccable uh, burn, the great gas mileage, the improved efficiency, and also allow you to get away with a lot of boost with not crazy air fuel ratios. So you can definitely do that. Um, oh, thank you so much, Diling. Enjoy your evening as well. Hope things are well for you over there in Europe. Uh, any experience, Bui GD3 is asking, with oilless turbochargers? No. All the turbochargers I, I run are from Turbinex and Precision, and I've always had the opportunity to run them with oil, with fresh oil, with a nice drain, without any kinks, to the crankcase. You know? Ah, if you take, you're the IBOC meet in May 16th. Good. Good seeing you again. Thank you for joining us. You know? Kai Toys is asking, am I going to EV the MR2? As, no, as I mentioned earlier, no. This time around, we're going to go with an ICE, internal combustion engine, but it's going to be very shocking to many, many people. B18 is fully built and sleeved, says Santos Tuner. Um, should I go K282 or motor built, or what do you think would be the best way? Turbocharging would be the way to go in terms of horsepower per... You know, back in the day, it was very expensive to do turbocharging. Nowadays, with technology, engine management solutions, there's a lot more bang for buck with turbocharging, and that would be the way to go. Do a Jackson supercharger on a D16 on Honda, a bone stock engine. Anything you would recommend or doing or not doing? So what I would say is not going too crazy with boost. If you have the capability, I would highly encourage you to do some kind of flex fuel or definitely some kind of 85 if you have it in your region. Above and beyond that, make sure you use proper oil. Very important, especially with supercharging and the kind of heat that you do generating that. So as you know, deep and deep, I recommend Purol. That's what you use, over 1,700 parts per million of zinc. Do not put rubbish inside your engine. Please, please, please do not. And when tuned, make sure that your tuner does a proper partial and full throttle tune. And it should be okay, you know? AJ is asking, could you cast a new cylinder head for a better CFM head flow for restrictive engines such as 2J or D16? For a CFM possible? Absolutely is. The one restriction, especially with D16, is in terms of hood clearance. So to be able to get that kind of flow, you have to do quite a bit in terms of port height because you cannot go too far away because you're set with your center uh, bore selection. In other words, your bore spacing is fixed. So the only way to increase velocity flow in a D-series, D16, would be to raise the roof. And to do that, you have to do some really creative things with intake manifolds and also head configuration. Now, casting could be very expensive. You want to start with a billet that's more cost-effective, allows you to do a lot more experimentation initially. And when the volume dictates, you can start casting and be able to do that accordingly, which is pretty nice, you know? How much of a challenge would it be to make an 8th gen Civic all-wheel drive project FD2S? We looked at that. It's not too bad. You can use probably the second generation um, uh, CRV components because the rear suspension has points that are very similar with the exception of one point. You do have to do some fabrication to allow for a better aperture in the center for the drive shaft. You have to modify your tank um, significantly, but being composite, you may have to go with a custom cell. It is not prohibitive. It is a little bit involved in terms of fabrication, but it can be done. 
It's not a challenge. It's not too big a challenge. If you're up to it and able to do the fabrication, yes, it can be a very worthwhile build, which is pretty accurate. Very nice, you know? What do I think about Acura Integra DC4 1994? I think they're cool cars. A little bit heavier than the earlier models, but I love the roundish, not so square shape of the DC2s and DC4s. I like those very much. Do gear ratios affect horsepower? Yes, they can. So gear ratios, I would say, on inertia dyno, especially how it dictates power, can affect it. So what do I mean by that? Unlike the dynos that I use here in-house, which is like a Dynapack, which directly cogs to the hub, and it's a resorption unit using very viscous oil, which is cooled down by a water medium that's external, and uses the input of the, of the ratio of the gear to divide the amount of energy being absorbed and give you accurate power, Inertia dynos, as the name implies, calculates horsepower by your ability to overcome the inertia of that large roller, of that large flywheel. Now, the thing is that when you change gearing, it gives you a different mechanical advantage over that inertia wheel. So what does that mean? Different gears on a dyno jet will give you different horsepower ratings, meaning also different tire sizes will give you different ratings as well. Meaning also when you change your final drives or individual gears, it also changes the mechanical advantage you have over that dyno. So what does that mean? It means if I were in your shoes, I'll seek out those dynos that can allow me to do accurate comparisons, no matter what ratios I have in my gearbox, which are Dynapacks, which I like quite a bit, you know? What is my opinion on MAF versus Alpha N on a BMW S14? I'm debating whether making the move to Alpha N on my S14 Power 2002. Now, if you are boosted and you have, in my experience, Regions that have varying elevations. I'm a big Alpha N guy with a boost compensation in the background. That's very nice. So I like the thorough response using Alpha N. Uh, map sensors are very good. Map is really, really nice, but can be restrictive. Map is great, especially if you combine it with some type of elevation change device, like uh, uh, if you have some kind of barrel sensor in, in, in incorporated. But where possible, I'd like to do Alpha N for my fuel maps. And if your software allows you, Use MAP for ignition for obvious reasons, especially if you're boosted, because you don't want to use Alpha N for ignition, because if you're boosting, you want to retard timing quite a bit. And Alpha N goes from zero, ideally, to 100 throttle position and doesn't give you that. And that gives nice throttle response, and the boost compensation allows you to add a fuel accordingly. So if you have the capability, NA or not, Alpha N is great. It gives you great throttle response and not as sensitive to changes in elevation. However, bear in mind that your Alpha N setup your throttle position is your lifeline. Do not move your cable or the sensor on the throttle body because if you move it, it changes and skews your entire map. But it can be very, very good. Fali's asking, am I planning a drift build? Uh, not at this time. I don't have any plans for drifts. I'll be doing a lot of road racing stuff with the center seat Porsches and some drag racing with her and the inside as well. So, Quaif. Det trans detail on my Civic. Jim Genghis Khan is asking. Genghis Khan is asking. So, what I have here is a Quave sequential, which is designed for the two-wheel drive application um, for the K-series engine. And in this case, we use the bell housing out of a 2004 CRB, which is all-wheel drive with the, of course, transfer case. The guys from Quave made a custom differential for us, which allowed us to be able to bolt in both final drives for the gearbox and also the transfer case into this assembly for a seamless transition into this chassis. And of course, our good friend Marcel, who worked at GearSpeed, was kind enough with his partners to put this together for us, which is pretty nice, you know? I'm sorry? Oh, it's a five-speed. So it's a five-speed, not a six-speed. Okay. AJ Thompson is, well, okay, I see before AJ Thompson, Keg is asking, what do you think is better, Nissan GTR R35 or Acura? Oh, come on. I'm going to say NSX. I'm a big Honda head, by all means. Um, I really like the MIG engine. Um, the R35 being older is really cool, very nice old school vibe to it. Um, I like the fact that it's an FR chassis, but I'm a really, 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 really big uh, proponent or advocate of mid-engine cars. I just love the balance of those. And, you know, the NSX was one of the cars that Honda, whether you're looking at the previous generation, current generation, lost money on. It's a very expensive car to build, and it was always ahead of its time, which I love. AJ Thomas is asking, how can the VR38 GTR engine make so much power despite the head only flowing about 340 CFM? Is there another contributing factor to make a reliable power than head flow? No. Head flow is everything. So CFM at a certain depression is one thing, but when you push air through it, it's something else. The one thing that the VR38 has to its disposal is significant aftermarket support. 
You can do similar things. Think about B-series. How much could a B-series flow? But look at the kind of power people are making on inline fours. Well into the four digits. So if you multiply that by six cylinders, you can imagine what could be done if B-series alone exists in six cylinders, let alone the VR engines, you know? NSX, any new projects? Nothing on the NSX realm, nothing yet. Hello, insane one, good seeing you. Aren't Honda slow? Well, from factory, yeah, most cars are kind of slow from factory, but the great thing about the Honda Scenic, it allows us opportunity to do many, many modifications to tailor them to our taste and make them pretty fast, which is pretty exciting, you know? Jim Gingis is asking, did I do a 36 millimeter hub conversion on a Civic? Yes, I did. So I used the hubs, 36 millimeters, from a 99 CRV, and also the rear trading arms from the same year, which allowed me to have a five lug conversion, having more wheel options, and also making things very cool and unique. Motorsports Detailing says, I'm an MR2 owner. I want to see what you're going to do with that MK1. Yes, so I'm very excited about that vehicle. Um, we're going to start on this week, which is pretty exciting, as well as the Mercedes for next year. And everyone's going to be very, very shocked about that. Hello, Papa Huang. Good seeing you. Hope everything is well. Um, do I like the FD2 Type R? Yes, I do. I like it so much we have a Hot Wheels. Yeah, I do like it quite a bit, you know. Which single kind of F-Series head is the best? I would say the F-22A, A1, A4, A6. So anything F-22A is good. The F-22Bs, um, the earlier model Bs tend to have exhaust ports which don't flow very well because they have the center ones closer together and outer ones farther apart. And the F-23s really have a restrictive intake. And the F-22 VTEX really have a restrictive intake. The F-22A, by far, is the best, you know? Does higher rod ratio equal better reliability and longevity for all things being equal with less side loading? Yes, all things being equal can allow for that. But I have seen better breathability with larger port volume heads with shorter rod ratio applications because of dwell, it's much shorter and allows for that charge to start filling the cylinder very quickly. Hello, Motorsports Detailing. It's a party on your side for it, eh? Well done. Have a great afternoon as well, see Perez, and he's saying, because it's almost time to go. <laughs> Yeah, Phil, I'm not playing any drift builds at this time. It's a lot on my plate, you know? Adam Bendoff is asking, do I prefer to combine turbocharging with direct port injection or carburetors? Yes, I would love... Carburetors are very limited, so in terms of, you know, I love the, the nostalgia carburetors. I did wonderful things, ran nines of carbs. It was great, NA. But if I had the, cap the choice, I would love to have a direct injection, port injection combination with turbocharging, to have the best of both worlds, you know? So right now, Jim, uh, great questions, by the way, about the wagon van. I'm running a two-piece with a carrier bearing for now. Any thoughts on the F20B versus H22? I know they share some of the components. I know the F20B is a very nice JDM engine, allows for a very nice high rep capability because of displacement. But the components are extremely similar. Um, they say there's no replacement for displacement, and I love ease of getting parts. So the H22, because of US, I'd love to get. F20B is really actually pretty cool. I, am, I can work with either one, which is pretty nice, you know? Kobe's Garrett says, took a pic with me at SEMA. I was so dope. Love the BC family. Thank you so much for the kind words. I really appreciate your support. I have not seen the GTR50 uh, Keg. I have not seen that at all. 124 Underground says that he wants my kind of knowledge. Please, by all means, I'm here to help. I'm here to share as much as I can. I'm not charging anything for this. I'm here to help you. Wishing I had this kind of opportunity when I was much younger getting into cars. So I'm here to help. There are many books out there you can read. If you'd like, I'd be more than happy to refer you to quite a few of them, whether it's Air Fuel Basics, whether it's um, uh, How to Build Horsepower. There's so many books out there that are very good, you know? Longest stroke and displacement capable on a K-series. I haven't tested it, but I'm aware of people on the K-series who have gone as far as 114 stroke on those. Um, and longevity-wise, I don't know. You know, people kind of build engines weird. Some people claim long longevity, some people don't, but I've seen 114, 115 stroke come through my assembly here. Would I ever do a Honda truck build? Absolutely, I'd love to. It depends on American Honda. So we're in discussions this year for next year, so you never know. You know? Any decision on the Honda YouTube challenge? That's the fourth time someone's asked me that today. So I've made a decision that I don't have the time to do it. So unfortunately, I won't be able to participate in that. Thank you so much, Leah. I appreciate the kind words, you know. Bowie GD3s, how long can you two-step before en engine damage? It depends on three major things. 
how you're two-stepping are using a field cut, ignition cut, what RPM are you two-stepping at, and what is the health and build of your engine. Fuel cuts are very hard on cars to recover from, so they can damage engines very quickly. Soft rev limit using ignition cut, where you're extinguishing spark every other revolution, is very nice and soft on engines. Doesn't allow for loading, doesn't wash away rings, and doesn't cause problems. Could cause a little bit of suit coming exhaust, but that's about it. And you can do it for a very, very long time. But the health of your engine and how it's built, and the type of oils you have that can tolerate that kind of abuse with dilution of fuel, because you will have a rich mixture, can be the challenge. I typically don't stay on two steps for more than 20 seconds. Anti-lag, maybe even shorter. Would the clutches in the, in the part-time hour drive survive the horsepower we're putting in the wagon? Aaron, I don't know. And that's one of the beauty of me testing. So I have this right now. This is another assembly that I have to study. I have the factory clutches in there, not right now, with the uh, automotive candy um, dual spool setup in it. Had some shims, a little more fluids going to the clutches to help lock it tighter. And if we overcome that, I'm going to receive some clutches from them that have even a better capability in terms of being able to adhere to each other and give me very stronger clamping power. And if that doesn't work, I may just do a direct cog and use some aftermarket or some other retrofit of a viscous coupler to make it work. So my goal is to test things, break them, make them better so all of you can benefit. So that's our goal. I'm not the kind of person to shy away from mishaps. I'm not the kind of person to shy away from something that breaks. If it breaks, I don't just throw my hands in despair and give up. I'm here to experiment and figure things out. And if, you know, I can go to a track and I'll break something. And you know, people laugh at me like, ah ha ha, you broke. PC Moto, what's up with that? I really don't care. I don't. I don't care that people laugh, that I break things. I don't care if people judge me. It doesn't matter whatsoever. As a matter of fact, that brings me to this again. So. Here's my don't judge me. I don't care if people judge me that I break things at the track. I'll break it, I'll figure out, make it better, and then after that, we will have the opportunity to make things absolutely spectacular so that none of us will have the challenge in the future. That's why I'm here, you know? Angie Thompson is asking, do Pure sell five liter containers to cost less per liter? No, um, they still sell everything in quartz, but I'd be more than happy to help out if need be. So if you need help with um, any price for, for that, I think we have some deals in the UK. And maybe there's some bulk stuff that we can do, which is pretty nice, you know? Thank you so much, Wagon Dew. Um, I appreciate the kind words. Um, do the same with the K20 MR2 so I can finally do a quality build with your part. Thank you, Trevor. Sounds good. Sounds good indeed, you know? Is there an engine in the same price range of K20 that you think is a similar potential? I would say there are engines that are cheaper that have similar potential, and I would say the F22A, which I use in my drag car, you know? <laughs> You're so funny, JP. So funny. So on JP's note, who's telling me to put my wig back on, I'm going to bid you guys farewell. Thank you so much for spending this hour with me. It's absolutely fantastic. We're going to come back in here later on. I'm going to put some coolant in this thing and fix the line for the uh, CSF radiator. And then after that, we will start her up. And uh, hopefully you guys can join us for the first startup, which will be pretty nice. So that being said, look forward to seeing you guys soon. For those of you who are in Southern California, please make it out to the CSF event this uh, Sunday from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. at the CSF headquarters in Rancho Cucamonga, California. It should be pretty, pretty good. And to answer your question, Dorsey, AM Infinity 506 by all means. Take care, everyone. Good seeing you, Sam. Good seeing you, Doc Red. Have a good one. Take care, guys. Cheers.